0: Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... Daddy! And who could forget... Well, the good news is is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped.
1: You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. A stray missile fired during the war in Ukraine kills two people across the border in Poland, while global sales of Anasol saw after everyone on Earth with anxiety simultaneously shits a brick. The Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, unveils a raft of tax increases and public spending cuts in his latest budget. As it turns out, there are very few leaves left on the magic money tree this autumn, after Liz Truss spent 45 days angrily wiping her ass against the trunk of it. As the World Cup kicks off in Qatar, the president of FIFA accuses the West of hypocrisy for criticising the human rights record of the host nation. In a bizarre speech, Gianni Infantino said he felt like a disabled gay migrant worker and was immediately sentenced to death by firing squad. And finally, Matt Hancock is stung by a scorpion in the I'm a Celebrity jungle. After surviving the unpleasant close encounter with the venomous, untrustworthy creature, the scorpion won seven stars for the rest of the camp. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another glorious episode of IC News, here to bring you all the best news and sport from across the multiverse. Yeah, I said sport. We're doing sport this week. We have to diversify somehow, seeing as the UK seems to be plunging further into an economic abyss every single day. To be honest, I'm one gas bill off wanking for coins on OnlyFans. And let me tell you, the niche for 36-year-old men with beer guts who look vaguely like Rimmer from Red Dwarf is not a particularly lucrative one. Did you laugh just then? Good for you. Did I mention we have a Patreon? Oops, uh, sorry, just my uh, dread for the future of my mortgage momentarily seeping through the fourth wall there, where I guess the damp it's caused will remain forever, seeing as next year none of us will be able to afford to put the heating on. This week, here on Earth Prime, saw Jeremy Hunt's autumn budget unveiled, and with it a scaling back of the support for household bills, some eye-watering tax increases, including one to fuel duty that he conveniently failed to mention in his speech to the Commons, and a raft of public spending efficiency reviews that the government are adamant will not amount to yet more austerity. Which, of course, they will do, regardless of how much frantic spin this shameless set of tosspots attempt to apply to the disastrous economic climate they've single handed handedly created. Of course, not everyone was appalled by the autumn budget. There's at least one Tory out there who's getting a perverse thrill out of the fiscal tailspin his beloved party is currently in, and that pervert is our Conservative correspondent, Sebastian Forlock.
0: (laughs) you smell that, dear listener? The air is crisp and clean, the leaves are crunching underfoot, and the trees are running their annual ombre, from rich russet through warming amber, and all the way to deep, glorious crimson. It's my favourite time of the year. When the iron skies and driving rains Nudge us all to bed down in our snuggliest nooks Before the probing fingers of true winter Come to molest us in our dens It's a season of change And there is no greater change Excuse me There is no greater change Than the one that has overtaken our glory Conservative Party this week. (laughs) Daddy, that was marvellous, but not mid-sentence, I implore you, I'm trying to work here. (laughs) That's right, dear listeners, I speak, of course, of the autumn statement. It's time once more to turn out the moth-eaten pockets of the public trousers to assess the wealth of the nation and respond accordingly. And respond, Jeremy Hunt has, both with vigour and fairness. Tax brackets will freeze for all for years to come, including for those non-doms the Labour Party keep bleating about. They'll continue to pay the exact same amount as they always have, just like everyone else. What could be fairer than that? That what they pay is nothing is just quibbling over the minutiae, and the Tories have had quite enough of quibbling. <sighs> yes, Daddy, tighten the belt. Teach me prudence. I will beg you. Now look. I can't stand non-doms any more than the rest of you. There's nothing worse than turning up at Ian Duncan Smith's house with a bag full of butt-plugs that you've painstakingly sharpened yourself only to find out that you're both subs and there's nobody around to fire them up you with a leaf blower. It's a crushingly disappointing failure of communication. But that doesn't mean the Chancellor should have singled non-doms out in this autumn budget. It's much fairer to spread the cost of this awful set of global circumstances across the board, with the majority going on the thin end of the wedge to try and even things up a bit. And speaking of global circumstances, global circumstances they are, no matter what the naysayers claim... Our economy might be having the worst recovery in the G7, but let's not focus on the walloping great pit the last twelve weeks of conservative stewardship have plunged us into. There's only one way out of this, and it's with the tried and tested method of cutting public and raising taxes. Yes. Crush my windpipe, Daddy. Crush it like it's a striking trade union. There's just so much to enjoy about the humiliation of this budget for an onanastic little Tory apologist like moi. I just can't wipe the smile off of my face. We're hiking taxes, and for what? (laughs) Consequences of their own failed tax cutting policies. Christ, it's just so deliciously embarrassing. (laughs) Things are so bad that Hunt has simply had to increase benefits in line with inflation to avoid outright killing the poor, and to pay for it, he's taxing the Conservatives' wealthiest voters. This isn't just the Tories tightening our belts, dear Britain. This is a strangle-wank that takes them right up to the very edge in the... (laughs) ...desperate pursuit of one final... Shit, that was close. That was so close, Daddy. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I've spaffed my own billions. (laughs) I'm a mucky little chancellor. I'm a filthy, dirty boy. The death throes of my beloved Tory party really are the greatest thrill I've had in years. (laughs) Such glorious self-destruction. Honestly, it's like they've sat on their own leaf blower. (laughs) I'm Sebastian Forlock, being lustily throttled in Jeremy Hunt's basement boudoir and popping half a lemon in his mouth. (laughs) It's all in the, and the news, I'm just going that
1: Truly remarkable about the dreadful economic situation we're now facing is the extent to which politicians of all colours are reluctant to point out one of the most blatantly obvious root causes of it. Both Labour and the Tories have spent the last few years treading on eggshells around the question of Brexit, which has now undoubtedly cost the economy billions and been disastrously handled. But that hasn't stopped our new Chancellor and Prime Minister insisting that there's still plenty of good yet to come out of Brexit, with the word opportunities doing more heavy lifting than Eddie Hall during a strongman competition. It takes an absurd amount of magically positive thinking to get into the pro-Brexit mindset at this point, and thankfully, here at IC News, we've got just the right correspondent for that sort of logic.
2: Thanks, Sam. That's right. It's me again, the relentlessly optimistic Tegan Marlowe. I'm here to try and pan for the tiny glimmers of hope in the septic tank of Earth Prime's news. I've got my work cut out for me, because by any standard, this week has been a pretty shitty one. We've got a grim new budget, a Prime Minister showing all the backbone of a three-day-old rice pudding to the right-wing nutjobs propping him up, and an economic outlook that can be best described as... fuck. But I'm not here to stress about any of that. I'm here to focus on the positives, even if those positives are nothing more but vague platitudes of absolutely no basis in reality. That's right, kids. I'm talking about the opportunities of our new fiscal situation. Those lovely, lovely opportunities. You've heard that word loads from our politicians recently. Never mind the £30 billion black hole that Liz Truss fisted into the arsehole of our economy. Brexit is absolutely stuffed with opportunities, and according to the Tories, it's just Ramona defeatism to suggest otherwise. So come on, Britain, turn those frowns upside down and stop being such negative Nigels. Yes, the manner of our departure from the EU may have hammered our trading relationships, hobbled our car manufacturing industries... And ruined our ability to cooperate on immigration with our allies to manage the crisis in the Channel. And yes, it's led to desperate, scrambling trade deals like the one with Australia that George Eustace actually admitted in Parliament this week was absolute rubbish. And yes, it's dented our stock market to the point that Paris has now overtaken London as Europe's largest. But uh, opportunities! Really great, undefined, massive, huge opportunities! The biggest and best opportunities, the kind you can only really see when you've embraced the process, which is exactly what I've been doing all day. Now, you may have noticed that I sound a little echoey today. Don't worry, and don't adjust your speakers. There's nothing wrong with them. I've just been doing a little practical experiment to drive home how marvellous Brexit has the potential to be. If our great British businesses can stop with all the moaning and just scratch a bit below the surface, that is... (laughs) I'm far too optimistic to listen to all the naysaying about the measurable negative impacts that the data clearly demonstrates. I'm much more into feelings and those bloody lovely opportunities, which is why I've trusted the process and spent all day digging myself into this 10 foot deep pit. Let me explain how it came to this. First, I got together with a bunch of my friends. And we all had a big, collaborative discussion to decide on the best possible metaphor we could think of for the way Boris Johnson's stories chose to negotiate our departure from the EU. To understand Brexit, dear listener, one must become Brexit. We all agreed the best way we could do that was by wandering out blindfolded into the wilderness of the Pennines until it just felt right to stop. And that's when we started digging, and digging, and digging, and digging, until we finally felt like we got what we all wanted. Then, having successfully Brexited, all my mates who were involved in the decision-making process took my spade and went home. I've been down here for four hours now. Let me tell you, now that I'm in the mindset of your average pro-Brexit MP, this is absolutely what we should all be doing. It really focuses the mind, you know? Oh, um, it's raining. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. That's a bit worrying. Um, actually, no, no it isn't. We all knew there would be difficulties, even if nobody mentioned them in the cafe this morning. Besides, it's easy to focus on the negative distractions like the mud and the worms, the um, irrational fear that the walls are closing in, and the creeping horror of the realisation that actually all I've done is entomb myself in a dark, sucking pit of my own creation, a tomb that's now completely adrift from all of my friends and allies... but um opportunities right (sighs) oh god why did I pass the spade out I could have at least gone sideways or something and started digging myself up but I passed the bloody spade out why did I let them leave This was their decision, but they've all fucked off now. Why aren't the people who helped me dig this fucking pit still here? Why am I the only one still standing in it? Why have I done this to myself? What are the fucking opportunities? Oh God, Tegan, what have you done? What have you done? Oh, hang on. The flare gun, I packed a flare gun just in case of any emergencies. Phew, thank God for Article 20. Now, how do you work this thing? My foot! Oh, I've dug myself into a giant hole and I've just shot myself in the fucking foot. I'm Tigger Marlowe, and I think the first opportunity is figuring out how to talk yourself out of a panic attack. Hyperventilating for Icy News.
1: When things feel particularly grim, most of us are quite happy to go in desperate search of some entertainment and distraction. And there's nothing more entertaining or distracting than the high drama and sporting prowess of a good football tournament. The World Cup kicks off later today with the opening games in Qatar, with the host nation receiving no small share of criticism in the run-up to the tournament over its human rights abuses. Hundreds of migrant workers have died in the country in the run-up to the World Cup, and Qatar remains a brutally oppressive country for LGBTQ plus people. Here at IC News, though, we're a lot like Gary Neville... ...and don't actually give a toss about all that once the money comes rolling in. In fact, the World Cup in Qatar isn't horrific enough for our tastes... ...which is why Tom King has been assembling the finest sports broadcast team in the multiverse this week... ...and hopping those dimensions in search of reality's most spectacular sporting event. Thanks, Sam. And you're
3: absolutely correct... We may be boycotting the World Cup in Qatar, by which I mean we couldn't secure press passes, but who cares about Earth Prime anyway? In terms of sporting spectacular throughout the multiverse, our World Cup isn't even in the championship. I've got something much bigger and better for all of our listeners at home. If you want drama, conflict and nauseating human rights abuses, this right here is the place to be. Isn't that right, Chris?
4: Absolutely, Tom. It's unbelievable. What is, Chris? I don't know, Tom. Brilliant! The tournament's
3: only just kicked off and you can already feel the passion and excitement in the air. What do you think, Alan Shearer? I, I guess... Amazing! I've never heard him sound so thrilled, and the reason for that frisson of excitement is the fact that this isn't just your average boring football tournament. It's got much higher stakes than that. We're here on Earth, Delta, Beckham, Massacre of the Day 66, just in time for the opening day of their Human Rights Abuses World Cup. There's everything to play for as we head into the group stages, but this tournament definitely has its early favourites. Isn't that right, Ali?
1: You're absolutely right, Tom. Heading into this World Cup, you'd have been a fool to claim it was anybody but Russia's to lose. But they've been drawn in Group C with Iran, Uganda and Belgium, and now we're faced with a scintillating possibility of an early upset. What with the Iranian crackdown on student protests and Uganda's long history of fielding such a strong anti-queer midfield, there's everything to play for, and you can never discount Belgium. Oh, absolutely not, Ali. They've been on terrible
3: form the past few decades. But this is the country of King Leopold II we're talking about, arguably the greatest of all time to ever play the beautiful,
1: brutal game. Aye, it's always a toss-up between him and Hitler, but we're not here to coast on past glories, Tom. Massacres of the past aren't going to score you any points here in Qatar in 2022, and these hot conditions are going to be difficult for the Belgians. When you're sweating in 50-degree heat, it's hard to even grip a machete, let alone lop off the hands of a worker on your rubber plantation that's failed to make quota. You mentioned Qatar there, Ali. Speaking
3: of the host nation, they're playing in one of the opening matches right now. How are things down at the Elbate Stadium, Chris?
4: The atmosphere is incredible here, Tom. In the background you can hear the ghosts of tens of thousands of victims of modern slavery howling in agony. We're not even ten minutes in, and the Qataris have already seized the early advantage by imprisoning 50 lesbians. The Argentinians are really going to have to up their game in terms of endemic violence against women if they're to regain possession here. A little bit of police brutality up front and the suppression of a few journalists just isn't going to cut through Qatar's defence. They've built a surprisingly solid wall here, Tom. Solid enough to stop Amnesty International getting a look in. Dripping stuff, Chris. It's unbelievable,
3: Tom. Yes, you've said that.
4: You think I believe most of the stuff that happens on the pitch by now, given how long I've been doing this, but it's still unbelievable, Tom. Calm down, Chris.
3: (laughs) OK, Tom. And what about the Lions, Ali? How do you fancy England's chances in this tournament?
1: Well, as you know, Tom, this is a young squad we're fielding, but Braverman's one of the hungriest and most abusive center forwards we've seen in years. She's been chewing up human rights laws on the far right wing through all the qualifying stages, but make no mistake, our group is an absolute monster.
3: (laughs) You're not wrong, Ali. China, North Korea and the USA, all big beasts of the game. England are going to have to call upon all of their experience to get through the group stages of this tournament. I know that Gareth Southgate has been hard at work brushing up on his colonialism and the 4-4-2 Bengal famine formation has been working out well for the squad so far.
1: Absolutely, Tom, but in the modern game, all that rich history counts for very little against the recent atrocities of the CIA. You know the Americans like to keep things quiet, but there's plenty going on under the hood with that team and you can never count them out.
3: And I passed the Chinese changing room today and even in there, the lads are whipping Uyghur Muslims with lengths of rubber housepipe. That's real commitment to the game.
1: Aye, those boys have been putting in a real shift in training the last few years and they're determined to recapture the glory days of the Great Reset. In terms of human rights abuses in 2022, they're the real all-renders of this tournament. I agree, Ali. Russia have shown some explosive offence out of the gate, but in almost every qualifying game they were pushed back into their own half within moments. Aye, and some might even argue it was only the massacres they left in retreat that have got them through on aggregate. They've got the passion for atrocities, Tom, but it remains to be seen whether or not they've got the depth.
3: Oh, sorry to jump in here, Ali, but it sounds like there's been a big development over at El Bait.
4: Oh, what a play, Tom. For a moment there, it really looked like Argentina were about to launch a counter-offensive with some brutal conditions in their federal prisons, but that's small potatoes compared to the absolute scorcher Qatar have just landed. It's unbelievable, Tom. You're on the radio,
3: Chris you're really going to have to describe things a bit better than that.
4: Sorry, Tom, I'm just stunned. Qatar have just used bribe money and an indifferent West desperate for oil to absolutely whitewash their record and have just executed those 50 lesbians right under the Argentinians' noses. It's exactly the same tactics we saw work so effectively for Saudi Arabia just four short years ago. Qatar have just chopped up Argentina's defence like they were a dissident journalist. It's shades of 2018 all over again.
3: I'll give it to you this time, Chris. It really is unbelievable that money keeps excusing these horrific atrocities.
4: It's unbelievable, Tom. I've just said that,
3: Chris. <laughs> Very
4: excited, Tom.
3: So there we have it, listeners. Why waste your time with the boring old World Cup back home when you can really get down and dirty with some proper atrocities with us right here on IC News? What do you think, Alan Shearer?
1: I oh, grow over that.
3: Oh, <laughs> he's asleep. Never mind. I'm Tom King, and I can't wait for the ISIS-style highlight reel of this tournament. Reporting for IC News.
4: It's unbelievable, Tom. Shut up,
3: Chris.
1: Tom King there, doing his very best with a script written by a man who knows about as much about football as Quasi Quarteng does about economics. His report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back next week with the best bits of the start of Season 9. But until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Eton College apologises after its pupils hurl misogynistic and racist insults at visiting state school children, saying it expects its students to at least wait until their Prime Minister before abusing the working classes. Suella Braverman says her New Deal cooperating with France isn't a silver bullet to fix the migrant crisis, meaning she presumably thinks that's what it needs. If she believes refugees are actually werewolves, that at least explains her racist dog whistling. There is fury among Taylor Swift fans as Ticketmaster's monopoly sees them subjected to chaotic last-minute sale cancellations and ticket prices gouged to tens of thousands of dollars. Antitrust lawmakers have pledged to break up the company following its merger with Live Nation, claiming they will never, ever, ever be getting back together. And finally, an 11-year-old boy in Leeds has achieved the best possible Mensa score for under-18s, beating Stephen Hawking in a much more socially acceptable way than his second wife ever did. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye.
5: Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with the right bargain for you, and no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind our bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not Badger Me and if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.